City First Church, how you doing today? You doing good? Doing good? Can you believe it is the last weekend of August? I mean, like, where does summer go, right? Although, we got a full dose of summer last week up here in the state line area. It was like 100 degrees every single day. And uh, those of us that are part of our Cape Coral location, they're like, yeah, welcome to our lives for the entire summer, right? But you know, I think I am really looking forward to my favorite time of the year, and that is fall. Anybody in here, fall is your favorite time of the year? I mean, yes. You know, for most young families, fall begins now because kids are going back to school. Um, we have a back-to-school bash this weekend at our locations where we officially launch into our fall season. And I really want you to think about it this way. Fall becomes a second New Year's. Fall becomes a second New Year's. And I know some of you are like going, what do you mean by that? Well, if you think about it, fall is a time to begin again. Kids go back to school. College goes back in session. Um, football starts up again. Come on, go, go Bears, right? Right? Come on. Right? Uh, some, some of you need more faith. You need more faith. You know, it could be our year. <laughs> Uh, you know, there is the uh, apple cider donuts to start uh, coming, uh, you know, around this time of year. Also, pumpkin spice lattes. Anybody into those? They started those this week. I mean, that feels a little early to me. I don't know about you, but um, the leaves up in the north here start turning colors, and then down in southwest Florida, the temperatures actually start to go down, and people really start getting back into a routine. In fact, I've been talking to a lot of my friends, and they're like, yeah, summer is amazing, but summer's all over the place, and kids are sleeping at all different times, and I'm sleeping at all different times, or whatever, and, and, yet, and yet when fall starts, it becomes almost like a time to begin again, like a New Year's Day, you could say. Um, and I think there's just a desire to get back in a rhythm. I think there's a desire to get some normalcy. In fact, uh, I know Jen and I feel this way. Uh, Paxton on Thursday had his first day of school, and he is now officially a middle schooler. Uh, here is a picture of him on his first day. Come on. Look at those Jays. Come on, man. Sporting the Jays. He's going to, he's going to middle school. He's going to be big man on campus. That's what he's doing right there. Uh, but anyway, it has forced Jen and I to look at this fall season and ask ourselves some questions like, what are some goals and what are some, you know, different types of rhythms that we need to establish for Paxton, for us, going into the fall season? What rhythms do we need to begin? What, what, what daily and weekly habits do we need to establish so that we will have the fall that we want you know, in other words, really a lot of people around this time of the year are asking themselves if they can get a reboot. You say, what do you mean by a reboot? Well, it's kind of like when your phone starts acting a little wonky and you have to like restart it and it clears the memory and it starts working normal again. Some of us need to do that. Um, Jen periodically, frequently will come to me and say that her phone is not working real, real well. It's really slow or a laptop. So I'll take it and I'll close out her thousand apps that she has open and I will reboot it. And then it's starts working fine again. Some of us, we have a thousand things that have been spinning in this last season. A thousand things that maybe are in our minds or hearts, clouding up our thinking. And we just need, we need clarity and we need a rhythm and we need a reboot. 
And it doesn't mean that everything becomes perfect in your life, but this is what I want us to know. You're never gonna be able to live this fall again. In other words, we get to the holidays and you don't get a mulligan, you don't get to go back. So let's make this next few months the best that it can be. When I was on break, um, <clears throat> I was listening to an album that actually came out about 20 years ago. And uh, I, I was reminiscing a little bit. I was a youth pastor back then. And this, this album was kind of like a breakthrough album. And it was, had some really intense lyrics that were pretty awesome. And, and, and it's by a band that maybe many of you have never heard, but the band's name is Switchfoot. And uh, <laughs> some of you have heard Switchfoot. And this year, they're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the album, The Beautiful Letdown, which was a thought-provoking work, and it shot up the Christian charts. And I remember being a youth pastor and playing this music for the students and being like, this is awesome, and we all thought it was great. There was this one song called This Is Your Life that I want to point out today. And I want to read the lyrics to you. It says this, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything you've dreamed that it would be when the world was younger and you had everything to lose? And that is, that's some powerful lyrics there because if we could take and time warp back 20 years and talk to ourselves 20 years ago, what would we say with the knowledge that we've gained over the last two decades? For some of us, that means that you were, you're 40 now and you go back to when you were 20. Some of us, maybe you're 70 now, go back to when you're 50. For some of us, you know, you're 30, go back to when you were 10. But what would you say to yourself and would you also say the life you have right now is the life that you want? If the answer to that is, no, it's not quite what I want, not that it will ever be perfect, I want to encourage you to look at this season as a reboot. It doesn't mean that when you reboot, all your problems go away, or you can erase some of the choices of the last 20 years. But my point is, is this, is that you get a fresh new start as we get into the fall to begin again. You can have a New Year's Day in August. And God is all about reboots. In fact, he has built them into our natural living. Think about it. Every 24 hours, we get a new day. In fact, uh, every time the sun rises, you get a chance to begin again. It says in the book of Lamentations, Old Testament book, it says the faithful love of the Lord never ends. I want you to know that, by the way. Um, some of you, you came to church today and you're like, oh, I don't know if God likes me. The faithful love, not just love, he has a faithful love for you and it never ends, all right? His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness, it says. His mercies begin afresh each morning. In other words, you get a brand new batch of mercy every time you wake up. I don't know if you realize that, but every time you wake up, there's new mercy. Today's message, I pray, inspires you that God shows you that he created creation, everything in nature, and he did it in 24-hour increments. If you go back to uh, Genesis, it says on the first day, on the second day, on the third day, he created X, Y, and Z. In other words, he can do a lot in 24 hours. And I believe that God wants this fall to be one that he begins to do a new thing inside of you. Even if you've been serving him for decades or maybe you've been serving him for minutes or maybe you're even curious about faith today, I want you to see this verse. It's found in Isaiah chapter 43. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. 
Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? The answer to that for most of us is no. We don't. I don't. You don't, right? What are we focused on? All the things that we got to do today, all the problems that we're encountering, all the challenges. And God says, no, I'm doing a new thing. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness. For those of you that feel like you're like the children of Israel wandering with Moses through the wilderness for 40 years, doing circles, not sure exactly where you're going and you want a breakthrough, God said that he is gonna make a way in the wilderness for you and rivers in the desert. In other words, you need a refreshing, you need some living water. Reboots are for everyone. Doesn't matter your age, stage of life. No matter who you are, even if life looks great right now, you could use a reboot. If life doesn't look good right now, nothing is going right for you, you need a reboot. If you're a CEO of a company, if you're a teacher that's entering back into the classroom, if you're a stay-at-home parent, if you are a student, a first responder, a barista, part of our leadership college, or a tradesman, it doesn't matter if you're retired or at the beginning of your career, we all could use a reboot. We could. And this talk, let me take a little bit of the pressure off. This talk is not a talk about you need to do more. Because <laughs> some of us, if I were to talk to you and say, these are the 15 things you need to do, you're going to leave here discouraged because you're already doing 50 things. Okay? This is not about doing more. This is about capturing the vision that God has for your life, that he has a vision for tomorrow to move you forward, to give you hope. He has a vision for growth. And here's what I know. I know that all of us usually know what needs to change in our lives. Like if I were to have coffee with you and I'd say, hey, what's, what's going on, what needs to change in your life? You'd probably pull out your list, right? You'd open up your note app and you'd keep swiping, 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 right? All of the things. We have problems that we need to solve, habits that we need to make or break, God-sized dreams or ideas or the desires in our hearts that are trying to escape out of our hearts into our realities. And as I'm talking about this, I know some of you are like thinking to yourself, great, it's a New Year's resolution talk in August. I didn't even do the one in January. Well, if that's you, you're not alone. Only 9% of people, Americans, who make New Year's resolutions actually fulfill them. Only 9%, less than one out of 10. In fact, 23% of them give up within the first week. And 43% will quit within 30 days. So what's the difference between a reboot and a resolution? I am so glad you asked. Because today, for the rest of the time, I'm going to talk to you about how to have a reboot and not just make a resolution. The first thing you got to do, the first step is you need to stop. Now, some of you are like, what does he mean by that? Because if you're moving forward, you don't stop, you start running, right? No, no, no. You need to stop. What I mean by that is this, is you actually need to stop and think and pause and assess where your life is at. I listened to that song that debuted 20 years ago, and I remembered 20 years ago where I was when I heard it and listened to that. And I had to stop, and I had to assess and go, okay, in the last 20 years, is this the life that I wanted to live? Have I, have I made the right choices or, or more right choices than bad choices? Have, is this where I want to go? What about the next 20 years? You know, I started to assess. I had to think about it. You know, to get to where you want to go, you need to know where you are. 
And just like a GPS on your phone or in your car, when you plunk in the coordinates of where you want to go, it tells you where you're at, the pin where you're at. It then tracks you all the way up to where you need to go. You can't get to where you want to go until you first know where you're at. But we don't take time to think about it. And the reason we don't take time to think about it is most of the time we're distracted. There's 5,000 advertisements every day that are bombarding us. There, there, there's all of the, the you, know, you know, cell phone, text messages, all of the different things. In fact, they say this. They say that a person in America right now gets distracted every eight minutes they get interrupted. Every eight minutes they get interrupted by something. I actually, when I read that, I thought, that actually seems too long. I feel like it's every 20 seconds. You know, the average person in America also spends two hours and 20 minutes on social media cumulatively throughout their day. So the one thing we can't say is we can't say we don't have enough time, because we do, but we're using that time to be distracted many times. So what do we do? We stop, which is going to be a challenge, because a lot of times we have been told, or at least we think, that being bored or being quiet is a bad thing. Nowadays, we don't even go to the bathroom without our cell phone right? It's like, we don't want to be alone. We don't want to stop. We don't want to be alone in our thoughts. And my challenge and encouragement to us, City First, is take some time to stop and be alone in your thoughts and just think about it. It doesn't have to be hours. It can be 15 minutes. Just take a moment and say, where am I at? This is my life. Is it what I want it to be? What do I want to see different? 21 days of prayer is concluding, but that doesn't mean you have to actually stop praying, all right? I'd actually encourage you to keep praying for 10, 15 minutes a day, and maybe that even can be your 15-minute-a-day quiet moment where you assess some things. You, you pray, you read the Word of God, and you, you, you talk to God, and you kind of listen, and where are things at in your life? And it's a little bit of a calibration moment before you take off to the office or school or wherever you're going. But what we got to do is stop. And then once we stop, we invite the Holy Spirit in, and we say, help me to get a little bit of a, a perspective here. And what we try to do is define the win. This is the second thing. Define the win. W-I-N, you notice there that I made it into an acronym. What that means is, what's important now? Define what's important now. You see, truth be told, we probably have 50 things that we think are important right now. But... There is one thing that could be a game changer. Don't give me 10. Don't give me five. What is the one thing that if you could change it, if the Lord will help you change it, it would literally change most of everything else. It's the Pareto principle, for any of you who have studied that in business. It is the sense that there are some big things that if you change, it creates a waterfall effect changing all kinds of other things. So what is the big thing if you were to quiet yourself and stop and I were to ask you, what is the one thing that if you can change, it would change a lot of other stuff? Maybe an example of that would be like that you do actually take 15 minutes a day to pray and read the word of God. And you're like, man, that would probably change a lot. Okay, that's your one thing. Maybe for some of us, the one thing is exercise. Maybe you're like, if I could just exercise and if I could get a discipline of doing that, I would feel better, which would make me think clearer, and also I'd establish a routine that's healthy, so maybe for you it's exercise. Maybe for somebody else, the one thing is establish a budget. 
because this is the one thing I know about cash flow. Cash flows, all right? And so if you do not direct your cash, it just flows, it leaks. I mean, it just goes everywhere, right? So maybe for you, the one thing that's creating the most amount of stress is you're not sure about the money situation in your life and you're always stressed about it, you can't sleep. Maybe for you, it's create a budget. Maybe the one thing for some of us, and it's gonna sound strange, but um, you go to bed earlier. And you're like, really? Yeah, because the discipline, I've been saying this for years, to like the youth and young adults, the discipline is not getting up earlier. The discipline is going to bed earlier so you can get up earlier. Does that make sense? So maybe for some of us, instead of turning on Netflix and trying to catch up with our, you know, binging of our latest show, maybe we just go to bed. And that helps us to think clearer in the morning. Maybe the one thing for some of us is um, we need to stop drinking as much. Maybe we've been drinking a little bit too much through COVID and we've formed a habit that is, isn't good. And maybe for you, you're like, the one thing that I could do is I need, to, I need to curb back on that and that would be a game changer. For some of you, the one thing might be get involved in a life group or get off of social media. Or if you have a relationship, in fact, in between services, some guy came up to me and, and uh, a friend and, and he said, hey, listen, he said, when you made this point, that's so important. Some of your relationships, you're like two ships passing in the night. And then you're so cash at the end of the day, you just fall into the couch and turn on the TV because it's mindless or you fall into bed. So maybe what you do is you say, the one thing that I could do for my relationship, that one thing that would change everything is I'm gonna establish a date night and I'm gonna do it once every two weeks and this will be a time that we can talk to one another and we're not gonna have you know, all the distractions and it actually builds your relationship. What's the one thing? I've, I'm giving you examples and some of them resonate with some of you and some of you are like, oh, that's nah, not mine. Well, what is yours? Because there's power in 24 hours. There's power. I was just... Uh, uh, all week up north with a crew here from the church and we were filming the Life Group series. It's gonna debut in October and you're gonna wanna be a part of it. I mean, it's, it's really good. And, uh, and, you know, I was having breakfast after it was done with Caden who had come on the trip and, you know, he's a pastor on the team here and was helping with, with the uh, scripts and everything. And I had, um, I had breakfast with him and I told him, I said, most people underestimate what they can do in eight hours during work. I said, imagine, Caden, you and I are sitting here at this table in this restaurant, and I say for the next eight hours, we're gonna be silent and just stare at each other. I said, after about 20 minutes, we're gonna go stir crazy. Why? Because eight hours is a really long time. You can get a lot of stuff done. I said, now multiply that by three, your whole life. In one day, there is so much time, and God wants us to be good stewards of it. Am I the best at it every day? No. There's some days the best steward I could be is to do nothing that day. Does that make sense? But there's other days that I need to get on it, and I mean, I gotta plan my day. Don't life, let life happen to you. You happen to life. Does that make sense? And I was like, come on, we can do this. And so the problem many times with these talks about rebooting or even resolutions is that we either stay connected to the past or we get our head too far in the future, and we become paralyzed in the journey that we're on. Like, you start thinking about all the problems that need to be solved, all the bad habits that need to be broken, all of the goals that are unachieved. You start to get overwhelmed because of the size of the problem, and what do you do? You're just like, I, I can't take on that much at once. You know, we go from doing nothing in January to trying to do everything and fix our entire life in the whole month. 
and we fail 10 out of 10 times. You see, we can't just go from point A to point Z in a week. And like that old saying that I try to take, you know, one day at a time, but lately several days have attacked me at once. Some of us feel that, right? So what do you do? What do you do? Well, my friend Mark Batterson, who's written many books, but he wrote a book called Win the Day, and I would highly encourage getting it because a lot of the principles I'm talking about right now have, have come from that book and also he expounds on them. Um, you know, he, he says that we need to ask ourselves a question. We need to ask ourselves one simple but profound question when it comes to the reboot or to changing our, our life or what he calls a restart. And that is this. The question is, can you do it for a day? Whatever that one thing is, can you, uh, can you go to bed early for a day? Can you, can you pray for 15 minutes for a day? Can, can, you, um, can you, you know, decide that you're going to eat right for a day or exercise for a day? Or, you know, whatever it is that is that one thing that's a game, can you do it for just one day? I think most of us would say, yeah, I could do it for a day. Then I'd ask you this, can you do it for a week? Now all of a sudden you're like, seven days in a row? Maybe. Then I go, how about a month? You're like, mm, I don't know. How about a year? I'm done, I'm not even gonna try. Why? See what I just did right there emotionally? If I asked you, you could do it for a day, you're like, yeah, I can do this for a day. But the further ahead I get in my mind, if my mind starts going into tomorrow and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year, I get overwhelmed and I'm like, I'm not even gonna try. So what I want you to do is I don't want your brain to go past today. And Jesus spoke to this. You're like, where are you getting this from? Matthew chapter six. I'm gonna go to the wisest one that ever lived. Matthew chapter six, verse 34. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can you say a big amen to that? Some of you, you're, you're, you're already, you're, you're sitting here in person at one of our locations or in your living room. You are already into your tomorrow. You're thinking about what you gotta do at work. Um, if you're a teacher and your first day back in the class tomorrow, you're already thinking about that. You got butterflies. You're thinking about the things that aren't ready in your classroom yet, right? If you're a student, you're thinking about, oh man, I gotta re-engage in homework for the first time in a couple of months, you know? or whatever it is, you start thinking about your tomorrows, you think about the doctor's appointment next week, you start thinking, you are already in the future and it is stealing your today and it gives you a sense of depression and wanting to give up. Why? Because we were never meant to live in our tomorrows. We're meant to live today. God says, worry about today, not about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. A couple of weeks ago, um, I talked about Paxton being born, and it was part of my message, and I have a little bit of a continuation of the story. Um, I talked about how we had gone to the hospital, and we didn't realize that Paxton um, had Down syndrome until he was born, and obviously this was a, a shock. And, and so... Um, a little bit of continuation of that story. A couple days in, Jen's still in the hospital. Pax is still in the hospital. Jen and I are processing 
some really heavy things. Um, I personally am getting my head into my tomorrows. I'm thinking about how do we take care of this child when we go home. I've never had a kid that had a disability. Um, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, there's no textbook when it comes to this. I, I don't know how, what, what happens when he starts walking. Will he be able to walk? Is there, is, will he ever go to school? Will he be independent or dependent? And, and I start thinking, I mean, like, what about prom? I mean, I'm, I'm already... I am like 18 years down the road in his life, and I'm starting to think about all these things. And, and I'll tell you, I, I think Jen was also. And both of us are just heavy. Like, you know when you see somebody and they are carrying a weight? You can just see it on them. We were heavy, and the nurse noticed. And the nurse had a grandchild that had special needs. And she came in and told us that story. She goes, hey, my, my grandchild has a has special needs, and she started talking about it, and she goes, can I just give you a piece of advice? Now, Paxton is like three days old here, okay? She goes, can I give you a piece of advice that I'm, I gave my kids, and I'm watching them navigate? Take one day at a time. That's all you can do. Take one day at a time. Now, we've heard that so much, it's been a cliche. Like, if I look at you and say, take one day at a time, you're like, well, gee, that's a bump st bumper sticker. That's great. You know? That's really awesome, Jer. Glad I came to church, you know. <laughs> but in that moment, I will tell you that that nurse was like an angel speaking to us because it's exactly what we needed to hear. I, at that moment, I was like, Jer, get your head out of tomorrow. Here's the reason why. You and I are not graced for tomorrow. We are only graced for today. Do you know that God doesn't give you strength for tomorrow? He gives you strength for today. He also doesn't give you strength for yesterday. It's already lived. He only gives you strength for today, where you're living right now. So when your head goes ahead, when your brain goes ahead, you are stepping out of grace into fear. You're stepping into the unknown, which there are so many variables, you don't even know what's going to happen. But my point is, is this, that God says, well, you're, you're going to go out on your own on that one because as long as you stay in the safe haven of the grace that I've given you today, you are going to be okay. The minute you step out of that safe haven, out on your own into the future, guess what? At that point, you're on your own. And that's when we get paralyzed. We look to the past and we get overwhelmed. We look to the future and we get overwhelmed. Either way, we're overwhelmed. So Jesus says, just live today. Just live today. So my question is, can you do it for a day? What is the big thing? And maybe you gotta think about what the big thing is. But my point is, can you do it for a day? And then tomorrow, can you do it for a day? Emmett Smith, who uh, played for the, uh, the Cowboys, um, he is, you know, holds the record, the holds the record for the NFL um, all-time rushing uh, record for the most amount of yards, 18,355 yards. And some people think that it may never be broken. Of course, they said the same thing about Walter Payton, and Emmett Smith was the one that broke Walter Payton's record. But my point is, is this, is that they'd ask Emmett, how did you do it? And this is what he said. He goes, one game at a time, one play at a time, one yard at a time. And then he said, I gave myself a 24-hour rule. And the reporter was like, what do you mean by that? Basically, if he won the game, they won the game, the Cowboys did, um, that, that he gave himself 24 hours to celebrate. 
And if they lost the game, he gave himself 24 hours to lament the loss. Past the 24 hours, that whole game, whether he won or lost, was dead to him, and he was thinking about today. How do I need to train today? What skills do I need today? I need to focus on today because a game is coming. Today, today, today. And in the same way, you and I need to give ourselves that. You, you, had, a, you had a bad day. You had a bad day, okay? You had a bad day. Great. 24 hours, you can lament it. You screwed up. All right. Move on. You had a great day. Celebrate it. 24 hours, move on. There's more days to be celebrated. In the last 30 years, I've tried to live the principle that I used to preach to the youth group all the time. Um, quick down, quick up. Quick down, quick up. In other words, think about it. You know, we stumble many times and we fall and, and you don't stay down. If you've ever ran track before, like in high school or whatever, you know, if you're doing the 100 and you fall, you don't just stay, you know, lay on the ground, oh, I've fallen and I can't get up kind of a thing. What do you do? The coach is like, get up and finish the race. Quick down, quick up. Quick down, quick up. It's the same way when you quote unquote fail. In fact, I would even, the reason I say quote unquote fail is I don't think, I don't think falling is failure. I think staying down is failure. Does that make sense? So quick down, quick up. Quick down, quick up. Everything that God has built is like this 24-hour thing. And even in the Bible, like for example, the, the, the Israelites that were marching around with Moses in the wilderness for 40 years, every day God provided food. It was called manna, but it only lasted how long? One day, 24 hours. If they got manna on Tuesday, they couldn't eat it on Wednesday. It would be spoiled because there was new manna coming. That can preach, by the way. Okay? Also... What's the deadline on anger? The Bible says to not let the sun go down on your anger, which means you have a 24-hour expiration date on anger. Now, you may wake up and have to process anger again, but again, when the sun goes down, you give it to God. I mean, there's a 24-hour deadline. New mercies every day. We talked about that. Jesus talks about daily bread. He doesn't talk about weekly bread or monthly bread. He talks about daily bread, right? New bread every day. It's the one thing I love about Europe. In America, our bread lasts for like 30 years on the shelves, you know? <laughs> but, but if you go to Europe, they, they, they bake like the croissant like, like that day kind of a thing and sell it that day. Here's the thing. We need daily bread. We need to be able to every day, the Bible even says to take up our cross daily. It doesn't say take it up weekly. Everything's in 24-hour increments. But yet the average person... 46% of the time is focusing on something outside of what they should be doing in that moment at work or in life. Half the time, many times, we're out here in our future as we close. So we stop. We ask, what is that one thing that if we changed, it could change a lot? And then we ask ourselves, can we do it for a day? And then the last thing is this, you gotta find your people. Find your people. What does that mean? Well, the Association of Talent Development says this, that, that individuals have a higher probability of accomplishing tasks, goals, or having success when other people are involved. Let me give you an example. I'm going to read down these, all right? First of all, having an idea or a goal, you're 10% likely to complete the goal. Just to have an idea. Like you came up with an idea or you set a goal, all right? 10% chance that you will fulfill it. One out of 10. Okay, 
consciously deciding that you will do it. So if you say, I'm going to do it, like you, you, you just, just have the idea. You're like, I'm going to do it. You're resolute with it. It jumps to 25% success rate. Next, deciding when you will do it. So it's not the ambiguous like, yeah, I'm going to exercise. <laughs> but you decide, I'm going to exercise starting next week whatever it is, you actually jump it up after, to, after that. Then planning how to do it. So, so not only do you say, okay, this is the time frame, but I'm also gonna put a plan to it. You jump to 50% success rate. Now here's the point I want you to look at. Committing to someone that you will do it. In other words, you look at somebody else and say, hey, listen, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start reading my Bible or I'm gonna go to life group or I'm gonna start taking my wife out on a date night once every two weeks, or whatever it is. Telling somebody, all of a sudden it jumped to 65%. Here's the biggie. Having an accountability appointment with somebody you've committed to. In other words, you're not just saying, hey, I'm gonna do it, but you're gonna say, next Tuesday, can we have breakfast and can you ask me if I did it? 95% success rate. Do you see what people can do in your life? This is the reason why for some people that don't wanna go to church, I wanna encourage you to go to church because you need people. No one is a success by themselves. They need other people to help them in the process. So you gotta find your people. And in church, that's where you find your people. You find your people that help you become more like Jesus over time, help you through life, pray with you, those kind of things. Shameless plug here. Life group session or semester is starting uh, September 3rd. And uh, here's a QR code. Take out your phone, open up your photo app, and link it there. And guess what? Um, if you get involved in a life group, this is the group. These are the people that will help you. Doesn't mean they're perfect. They're far from perfect. There's no life group that's perfect. But you're on the journey together. I know some of you are like going, oh, I don't have time. You'll never have time to do the right things in life. You have to make time to do it. And October is gonna be special with this Life Group series that we just got done filming. I also wanna encourage everyone to get back in church. I realize in summer, kind of sporadic, people are going to the beach, to the, you know, they're going to the lake, whatever they're doing, and, and, and you know, it's like you can fall out of the habit. Establish a habit of going to church each week. And, and here's the reason why. The spiritual you is the most important you. There's 168 hours in every week. And if you were to give City First and give God, really, not City First, Give God one hour a week at church at City First. That is 0.6% of your week. 0.6. And yet the spiritual you is the most important you. And most of the time when you come to church, you're glad you did. The devil fights you going to church. Kids are crying. Car doesn't start. I mean, all the things, right? You wake up kind of going, oh, I'm so tired. I, right? There's all kinds of reasons not to. But once you go... You're happy you went, right? In fact, maybe even placate me here. Are you happy you came today? I mean, right? I, I, I'm happy you came. Everything rises and falls on your faith. Whatever faith you have, by the way. Everything rises and falls on your faith. In the Old Testament, um, the children of Israel marched around the city of Jericho, which was the most fortified city in the world, oldest city in the world. It was like the New York City of its day. 
and the children of Israel had nothing. They were nomadic. They, they literally had animals. They'd been wandering around in the desert for 40 years, and, and they had nothing, and yet they are going to take on Jericho, who had an army and weapons and walls. So what did God have them do? God had them for six days, once a day, walk around the sea. All they did was walk around the city. That was it, just one day. Walk around the city. Next day they get up, they walk around the city again. Now, if you're one of the Israelites, you're thinking to yourself, what are we doing right now? Right? I mean, Wednesday comes, you've been walking around for three days or whatever, and nothing's happening, and you're going, why are we doing this? Right? Feel like a mall walker, just going in circles. But then on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times, and they worshiped, and the walls fell. You know the story. But they didn't fall on day five, and they didn't fall on day two or day three. They fell on day seven. And in the same way, can you just do it for a day? Just walk around your problem, whatever it is, that habit that needs to be formed, the one that needs to be broken. You know, whatever it is, just, just, just for today. That's all you do. And you know what you're gonna do? You're not gonna see a lot of change. You're not gonna see the move, needle move. You're just, you're just not gonna see it. Next day, you do it again. Next day after that, you do it again. But this is what I know. Eventually, whether it's seven days or 17 days or 77 days or however many days, guess what? Breakthrough will come. Breakthrough will come. You will see it. This is your life. Are you who you want to be? If the answer to that is no, then I want to invite you to New Year's in August. Let's go for a reboot. Let's stop. Let's assess. Let's figure out that one thing that would be a game changer. Let's do it for a day. Just take a walk. Just do it for a day. You don't see any change, it's okay. You just do it for a day. Don't get ahead. Don't get behind in your mind in the past or in the future. And get the right people around you. And you will see this fall, life changes for you. I promise it, not because it's me, but it's because God promises it. And that's how he works. Let's give him a round of applause. Can we do that? We're out of time. Let me pray with you, all right? Heavenly Father, thank you for each and every person that is here. Thank you, God, that you are a God that changes us little by little over time. I pray that we would we'd feel like we can do this, that you give us courage and strength. You give us the uh, ability to just do it for a day and then do it again tomorrow. Help us to stay in our grace zone of today and not get our head into tomorrow. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Real quick, if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus today, maybe that'd be the one decision you make that is the game changer, and I can promise you it is. You saw people being baptized today. Those are people that prayed a prayer like the one I'm gonna lead us in right now. And if you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus, you can repeat this prayer and God hears you. He sees you. Let's all say this prayer together. Jesus. Today I declare that you are my leader and you are my Lord. Forgive me of all my sin. Come into my heart. Thank you for dying for me. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Can we do that?